0: the road, you'll be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the ones you did. So dream, explore, say yes to life. Be inspired to live life as an exciting adventure of discovery. You are listening to the Inspire Possibility Show, and I'm your host, Mark Sussnow. Hi, everybody. This is Mark Sussnell. Welcome to the Inspire Possibility Show, the show that will hopefully inspire you to think bigger, to think about things that maybe have been on the back burner or things that you just haven't even considered. And every week, I invite various guests that I consider cutting edge thought leaders, people who are visionaries, who have a body of work, who hopefully will inspire us. And this week, It's a privilege to have Mark Golston. He is the host of the My Wake Up Call, his own podcast. He's been on Oprah. He's been on several shows like that. He's also writes for Fast Company and the Huffington Post and Psychology Today. And he's also the author of a book called Just Listen, which you're going to find out more about. And he also has a program called Stay Alive. And we were just talking off air, and I'm—I know you're going to find him fascinating. And without me saying any more about Mark Colston, welcome Mark Golston to the Inspire Possibilities show.
1: You know, thank you. You know, one of the nice things about having people say things about you like you just did—it gives you something to live up to. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I hope I didn't put you on the spot. <laughs> no, no, no.
1: I'm—I'm I'm glad to be on the phone with you.
0: Well, thank you and I'm glad to have you and I've uh, read about your work and I um I'm looking forward to what I can learn today and and I know so are the, so are the listeners so so we were talking a little bit off air and I know something that really resonated with you you're also a, on the staff at UCLA and then the professor of psychiatry and 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 crisis psychiatrist and you're a former FBI and police hostage negotiator negotiation trainer so what about this um you were saying that your program hashtag stay alive why don't you tell us about that
1: so uh, and listeners can go to stay alive stay alive so i was a suicide specialist I wasn't an academic. I was kind of a boots-on-the-ground person, and one of my early mentors was a fellow named Dr. Ed Schneidman, and he was a pioneer in the field. He started the Suicide Prevention Centers in Washington and Los Angeles and the American Association of Suicidology. And I'll just share a story because people like stories, and hopefully this one.
0: Uh, I love stories. So
1: so what would happen is – Ed would go up to the inpatient uh, units at UCLA, and there would sometimes be patients who were still suicidal, but they weren't acutely suicidal, and they needed to be discharged. And some of them were kind of too frightening for the residents, and so Ed would go up. He'd meet with them, and he'd always make the same call to me. So he'd call me, page me, and he'd say, Mark, this is Ed. I'm with this handsome young man. I'm with this lovely young woman. They were in a lot of pain, Mark. You could help them, see them. And then you put them on the phone, and then they could be discharged because someone outside would see them. And uh, the benefit I had is I didn't work for UCLA. I was a, a clinical professor, assistant clinical professor, so I'd supervise. And so I didn't check boxes. And what I learned to do is... I learned that when I was checking boxes, very suicidal people would check out. You could look in their eyes, and while you're checking boxes, their eyes were telling you, you know, uh, no offense, doc, but I'm running out of time here. And so I learned to kind of listen into them, and everything changed. So here's the story: everything changed when there was a woman I would call Nancy who had made. The, uh, few suicide attempts and have been in the hospital three to four months every year for several years before I saw her, and I was seeing her two or three times a week, and I didn't think I was making any progress, and she never made eye contact. She wasn't catatonic, but she didn't make eye contact, and I used to moonlight at one of the uh, state, uh, host- state psychiatric hospitals, so sometimes you're up for 36 hours, and on a Monday, I come in, and there's Nancy kind of looking 30 degrees to the left. And as I'm with her, because I hadn't slept for 36 hours, all the color in the room turned to black and white. So I'm looking out, and the room is black and white, and then I got the chills all through me, and I thought I was having a stroke or a seizure. So I'm an MD, and I did a neurologic exam on myself, and it wasn't rude, Mm because she wasn't looking at me. So I'm I'm tapping on my knees, you know, I'm looking at my finger, you know, whatever. and And I said to myself, I'm all here. And I had this crazy idea that I was looking at the world through her eyes and feeling the world through her skin. So because I was sleep-deprived, I blurted this out, uh, which if I wasn't sleep-deprived, I probably would have kept to myself. And I said, Nancy, I didn't know it was so bad, and I can't help you kill yourself. But if you do, I will still think well of you. I'll miss you and maybe I'll understand why you had to to get out of all the pain. And I thought, did I say that or think that? And I thought, oh, I just gave her permission. And that was the first time right. she looked at me. I, I mean, she looked right into me. And I said, what are you thinking? Because I thought she was going to say, uh, thank you. Thank you for understanding. I'm overdue. And I right. said, what are you thinking? She looked right into me, and she said, if you can really understand why I might have to kill myself to get out of the pain, maybe I won't need to. And then she smiled. And she started to give up her suicidality. And then, and what I said to her, and this is what I learned to do, is I said, you know, I think what we're going to do is I'm not going to give you advice, solutions, or treatment unless you ask for it. And by this time, we're just locked into each other's eyes. I said what I'm going to do is I'm going to find you wherever you are and keep you company there as long as it takes because I don't want you to be alone there. And her eyes started to get a little watery. Mine are getting that way a little bit too. And so what I learned is uh, and when I write about suicides if you google Gulston G O U L S T O N And suicide, you're going to find a lot. In fact, if you go to my Twitter page, at Mark Goulston, M-A-R-K-G-O-U-L-S-T-O-N, I have a a permanent tweet about how many of you have known of people who have killed themselves in your community, whatever. It has over 1,400 comments, half of them people just listing over and over the number of people they know who killed themselves. They talk about their own attempts. And it has 2.1 million impressions. Wow. So I've created a supportive community. I don't monitor it, and and again, uh, my guess is people probably have killed themselves. And I, I'm, it's not a clinic; it's a, it's an oasis. And I encourage people to reach out to each other. And here's what I learned about suicide. Uh, in fact, I wrote a series of articles for Medium called "Right After Anthony Bourdain uh, Killed Himself." I said, "Why people kill themselves? It's not depression." Was one of them. And what I've discovered is there's lots of people who are depressed who don't kill themselves. Lots of people who lose jobs, lose marriages who don't kill themselves. It contributes to it. But what I've discovered that nearly all people who are suicidal feel at the end is they feel despair. And if you break the word despair into D-E-S-P-A-I-R, they feel Mm -hmm. unpaired with the reasons to live. Hopeless, helpless, powerless, meaningless useless worthless pointless and they pair with death to take the pain away so if you can pair with them in the dark night of the soul without any expectation um, they will pair with you and they will start to cry when they feel less alone and you can start to feel them just leaning into it and They start to feel little inklings of hope. So that's a long story. So ask me some questions, Mark. (laughs) Okay.
0: You know, it. I did. I had years ago. I had a band, and um, the cello player in our band, she was a five. She jumped off the Golden Gate Bridge, and Hmm. um, it was really traumatic. Hmm. And we didn't have an inkling. We knew she had problems. And But I, re- I remember that when you were, you were talking about suicide. But, you know, off air you were talking about 12 words. And could you go into that a little bit?
1: Yeah. Um, so uh, I've created trainings for suicide hotlines and uh, for groups of counselors, teachers, parents. And one of the things that I've developed is something I call the 12 words. And, uh, and, and actually, uh, I'm hoping to create an app in which people can, who are stressed or down, can carry this with them. and I'll, and I'll read the 12 words. So the idea would be, you know, if you're feeling stressed, read these words, and which one do you feel most? Frustrated, hurt, afraid, angry, guilty, ashamed, alone, lonely disappointed discouraged sad tired so the approach is if you have that or like or you can even get a little uh, notebook that you carry with you with those 12 words and the idea is you then picture someone who cares about you a mentor a parent if you're fortunate teacher or coach living or dead and and you imagine them saying to you um, which of those do you feel most right now? And you imagine speaking back to them. Mm-hmm. And then you imagine them saying, what happened that caused you to feel that way? And you tell about the incident as clearly as you can, because when you describe an incident that clearly, so that someone in your mind's eye uh, can really see it, you start to feel it. And then you imagine them saying, uh, After you say what happened, they already know what you felt. You could say, what did you think when that happened? Well, I thought I'm an idiot. I thought I'm a loser. I thought my life's never going to get any better. And you keep imagining them just looking and speaking with you, not to you, with you. And what was your immediate impulse? Uh, Well, I I just wanted to run away. I want to get drunk. Uh, You know, I want to start yelling. I wanted to cut on myself and then imagine they're looking at you and they're talking you through this and they say, um, I understand. Take a deep breath and then imagine them smiling at you with this totally unconditional love. And they say, what would be a better thing to do? And see what, what's really happening is you're, you're, getting it out of your system Mm
0: -hmm. they're
1: talking you from you know just feeling so lost so impulsive so destructive and they're actually uh, talking you up into being able to think and because you feel less alone because you feel paired with them right you're able to lean into it and you're actually able to access uh, the thinking part of your brain and actually what I'm hoping will happen is that what people will say, well, the better thing to do is what I just did. <laughs> right. I just thought of how much you care about me and, uh and
0: what, how lucky what if, I am. Right. What if a person has like most, all of those words you mentioned, because I think a lot well, of people, you know, oh, yeah. that, that people so they have all of them.
1: And, and
0: pretty much. Uh, and
1: and oh, yeah, absolutely. And so you can say, well, Pick one or two that you felt in the last week at 2.30 in the morning.
0: Uh-huh. Uh uh-huh.
1: And, you know. The 2.30 you know, two, huh?
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: pick the pick The 2.30 one. yeah, you know, the one, the one in which you didn't know how you were going to make it to sunrise, and there were even times when uh-huh. you were thinking you didn't care if you made it to sunrise. But I don't right. want you to be alone with that.
0: Right. Yeah. Wow. So what do you think, Mark, of that? It sounds great. It sounds a great, a great. I mean, I can just what I can tell is that your your conviction of 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 this technique and and so what you're suggesting is the app that you're going to develop. If if somebody is how would that work? If somebody's feeling those emotions, they'd go to the app, or how would that work?
1: Well, if anyone's listening in and they're an app developer and and this touches them, you know, you can contact me. Well, I think what it is, is, uh, like I, I carry a journal around with me. Um, and see, part of the reason I know this, I, I, I can I share another story that tells you? Because well, what I want to do this from though, the
0: yeah, is I want to get into the other, I do want to talk about your, your podcast and your book. Just listen. So,
1: okay. so, and we have,
0: we have another 15 minutes or so to do that. So just so you know. Plus, I want to ask you a few questions that I ask all my guests. Maybe you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go ahead and just kind of get 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 into that now, because um, yeah, is is what I like to really ask all my guests are, are what what inspires you right now.
1: Um, it's interesting. Um, I'm much more famous than I am rich because I don't focus on money. I focus on helping people. And what, uh, and recently I have a lot of entrepreneurial friends and I said, I need your help because I've been apologizing for something and I don't want to apologize for it anymore. And what I've been apologizing for is that every day I want to show some compassion, um, give some hope to someone, uh, and give some comfort to someone because I can't get the hurt, anger, and fear of the world out of my head. There's an anecdote that I relate to, although this is kind of highfalutin. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, uh, there was a story where he was, or a tale where he was going from one city to the next, and he passed a cow in a ditch. And he rides by it with his entourage. He goes about a half a mile past it, and then he uh, ri- circles back. And when he gets back to the cow, the people in his entourage say, well, what's going on? he said I couldn't get the pain of the cow outside of my head. I couldn't get it out. So, so that's that's where I am in life, and uh, that's what I'm going to do. And I'm just not going to apologize for it anymore. Because mm-hmm. people, you know, you know, who I apologize to, the people that well, well, that's nice, Mark, but how are you going to monetize it? <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I know, I know, I know
0: that one. I know that one very no. well. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sometimes you do it because it's a labor of love and, and you're called. That's your Dharma, your, your, your calling, your mission. This is what I'm here to do. And, and in a way,
1: it's, it's a blessing
0: when someone finds what their calling is, their mission
1: in terms of how they serve.
0: I'll
1: give a cute little exercise that your listeners can do and, Uh, But how to find your calling. So the exercise is imagine your personality is a circle. And inside that circle are the parts of your personality that are trying to uh, show, prove, uh, hide, or please. Show, prove, hide, or please. Now eliminate all of that out of your personality and what's left. A lot of people will say Nothing. And if nothing is left, then you're leased out to the world. But if you can eliminate the parts of your personality that are trying to uh, show, prove, hide, or please, you may discover a calling that's been calling out to you for years and heed that calling. Mm -hmm.
0: So just to be.
1: Just to be. be, Your
0: authentic um, self. Your
1: real you. Don't don't rush to solve. Don't rush to come up with insight. Don't rush to make sense. You know, I mentor a lot of millennials, and the millennials that I mentor are the ones who are aware that they're not walking towards success, they're running towards it, but they're also aware that they're running away from something. And they they also get this awareness that whatever they're running towards is not going to take care of what they're running away from and so they have that conflict but that's not something they want to deal with on their own so part of my mentoring relationship is to really help these wonderful people um you know deal with that and really find out who they are so they can walk towards success and so they can hopefully discover uh the reason they were born
0: you know the other question that I like to ask my guests, and, and I think I already know the answer, because you just
1: alluded to it. Is what gives you hope? Um, so I'm an optimist. <laughs> I deal with right. the dark thing, uh, but if I yeah. wasn't an optimist, I couldn't get up in the morning. I think what uh-huh. really gives me hope is that when you drill down underneath the fear and anger in people, and you can, and you can sort of open up the abscess of hurt that they run away from uh, they 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 start to feel better and they start to connect to each other so I'm often brought into companies when they say you know we're going to have a rough couple months and we really need to pull for each other we really need to have each other's backs and I say well uh, the first step to having each other's backs is for everyone to bear their necks and it's amazing, you know, when when someone reaches uh-huh. out to you uh, and they bare their neck. Now, if, if you're a dyed-in-the-wool transactional animal, you'll just sort of say, uh, what's this poppycock about? In, in fact, here's, right. a, here's a very, an, another very quick story that'll, that I need to tell, and it's in my book, Just Listen. So I was having trouble getting in to see the CEO, and I finally got an appointment with him, and I'm there with him, and he's totally preoccupied. And I could see that there's something on his mind that's more important than being with me. So I can be, I'm sort of bold. And I said to him, Hey, how much time you got for me? And he looked up at me with a look that said, Your time's up, buddy. And he said, What do you mean? I said, How much time you got for me? He said, 20 minutes. I said, We're into minute three. And uh, what we're going to talk about, I think, is worth your undivided attention. But you can't give it to me because there's something else in your mind that's much more important than meeting with me. Am I, I'm guessing it's much more important than meeting with anyone. Can you tell me what that is? And he looked at me and his eyes teared up. And I said, Mark, you're not supposed to make these people cry. You know, this is business. Uh-huh. And, and he says, "He says you know something that people 30 feet from here don't know because I'm private. My wife's having a biopsy and it doesn't look good. And I said, well, here's the deal. I think you should go be with her. Uh, we're into minute four. Let's cancel this. You got, But you got to take the next 15 minutes to deal with that. And we'll reschedule it. You know, Or you can tell people to, you know, because I was so rude, not to let me back in again. Uh-huh. And this was interesting. He was like a big football player. And so he, he shakes his shoulders like a Newfoundland dog coming in from the rain. And he goes, and he said, you know, I'm not as strong as my wife, but I'm pretty strong. I served a couple tours in Vietnam. And, uh, and you've got my... You've got my undivided attention, and you got your full 20 minutes. And we also have a lifelong relationship. Who knew?
0: <laughs> right. It's amazing. It's amazing how some of our lifelong relationships, they come from left field. You just don't know what brings people together. And part of that is is, is, is listening, really listening to what's going on in the other person, which is, I'm sure, your book, right? Just listen?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, so just listen is about how do you listen in a way that causes people to feel felt. One of my favorite quotes comes from a British psychoanalyst named Wilfred Beyond, and he said, the purest form of listening is to listen without memory or desire. And what he meant by that is when you listen to another person with memory, you have an old personal agenda that you're trying to plug them into. Or if you listen to them with desire, you have a a new present or future personal agenda that you're trying to plug them into, but you're not listening to them. So part of what I advocate in Just Listen, which I'm humbled by, it became the top book on listening in the world of Spoke in, I spoke in Moscow to the Russian managers of the wow. Russian Federation on empathy for six hours, just me one day. Oh my God! Was, and the my understanding,
0: way. is that it's been translated into twenty languages? Is that right? I think it's, uh, just, it's just recently twenty-one.
1: Yeah, uh, and uh, wow. you know, so it's uh, uh, and, and so what I advocate is be a pal with people. What pal stands for is purposeful agendaless listening. Purposeful agendaless listening. So let go of your agenda and your purpose should only be to kind of get where they're coming from and help them with it. It's your only agenda. Oh, that purpose.
0: Right. I always when I when I talk to people about listening, I, I would say most conversations people have, it's like mental ping pong. They say something and instead of being with them, getting where they're coming from What's really going on with them is you're thinking about how you're going to respond or some incident that happened in your life 20 years ago, right? And so it's a matter of just learning to, to listen to the person, not just their words, but everything, their whole, their feelings, their emotions. And just like you did with that person, you said became a lifelong friend.
1: Yeah, a friend of mine is a – I think he's on NPR up in San Francisco, Marty Nemco. He's a wonderful career coach, so brilliant.
0: I know who Marty is, yeah.
1: When Just Listen came out, uh, and we're friends, he said, you know, Mark, you're not the best listener. And he told me about the traffic light rule. And he said, unless someone is asking you to expound – so you're you're giving me a little rope because you know I'm the guest. But if you're in a regular conversation with someone else – he said, you have 20 seconds uh, until the green light in their mind turns to yellow, and you've got another 20 seconds before the yellow light turns to red, and then you've worn out your welcome, and those 40 seconds go by in two, as if it's two seconds because you're just feeling so good. Uh, it's a good exercise.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's true because you you see somebody and – and we we have this need to kind of go on and on and on and and yeah and they're just waiting their turn they're waiting their turn so they can they can get permission to talk some more so so this book what what um when when did this book come
1: out just listen so it came out in uh, 2009 it went into paperback uh 2015 and the Russian edition of it, I, li- I like the title better, is I Hear You Through and Through. So, uh, they did a great job of that and done very well there. Wow.
0: So, how do people get your books
1: and get a hold of you? Well, if you go to markgoulston.com, that's my website, uh, it's, uh, it's, we're gonna be changing it, uh, uh, because ba- basically what my skill is, is I, I I don't see what's obvious to everyone else, but I see the elephant in the room, and it just screams out to me. So that's what was happening with Nancy, is the elephant in the room, is don't try to give me any solutions. I'm alone here in hell. Can you just get that? And so uh, so you can go to you know uh, uh, Amazon, Barnes & Noble is still around, so all my books are there markgoulston.com. Uh, my wake-up call is uh, at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, and also st- the st- uh, stayalivevideo.com. Stay alive you can check that out. You can see a promo of it. And, uh, and if people contact me, I'll give them the full code, uh, the password so that they can actually watch the whole video.
0: You know, we just have a few minutes left. Tell us briefly about your podcast my wake-up call you've had you started to tell me off air about some of the people you've had on that show and 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 the purpose
1: of it so my wake-up call is finding out what's really important to people and, and what matters to them and that they wouldn't compromise even for money and then it's not an interview it's a conversation and i say, tell me the story about you know, how that happened, and I led with Larry King, followed with Norman Lear, and they're just incredibly influential people, and just very briefly, I love the Larry King one, because he I said, you know, you're very, you're very curious, where did that come from, and he said, well, my dad, maybe my dad, uh, and, and I said, you like to make people laugh, and he said, well, maybe when my, my dad died when I was nine, and so I'm pretty penetrating, and I said, take me, within three minutes at the beginning of the podcast, I said, take me to the moment you heard he was dead. And he immediately goes back there, and he says, I came home, my mother was screaming, there were two cops there, one was crying, and the, and another one took me to a movie, Baton. But it it changed the whole flavor of the podcast. And so all the podcasts are like that, and they're very personal. And I always tell the guests, you know, we don't have to put this up if it's too personal, but what they've said is, no, I want everyone to hear this stuff. Because <laughs> wow. it humanizes them.
0: Well, we're 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 kind of near the end of this conversation and the reason I said this conversation is because I think we could end up talking for another six hours so um, I'd love to continue this another time have you back on my show and um, I think you're uh, got a great made a huge contribution ongoing and you made a difference in a lot of people's lives and I really um, commend you for that to to have your to be dedicated have a mission like you do and a purpose and that is uh and I can hear it in your voice how committed you are so I want to again I uh, feel honored to have you on my show
1: uh, I'd be happy to come back and uh, and hey you're no slouch yourself Mark <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah well we're all we're all we're all here for same reason to make a difference in the world. So to you out there, until we have another conversation next week, journey on. Thanks for listening. I hope you feel inspired to take the next step in your life. And if you haven't already, please take the time to visit my website at inspirepossibility.com and discover the various services and products we offer that could just very well change your life.